Welcome to the Community Builder Podcast. The world is our classroom, and every moment is an opportunity to understand human connection at a newer level. On this podcast, we'll explore the minds of active community builders as they strive to leave their imprint on the world. Travis King. Let's build. We're grinding, you know? We're trying to make the most out of life. Right. And it's funny because as I say that, then I just remembered that someone told me, and I just said this to Oleg too, I literally told him that everybody that knows me well, they know when I get excited that, like, nothing can stop me. Yeah. And that is, like, a reminder to, like, chill. And what I mean by that is, like, this is a perfect segue into the gym. For me, a way to chill is, you know, going to the gym, moving. Like, remember I mentioned I went for a walk before I called you? Like, walk, disconnected, didn't even listen to music. I just, like, had my headphones in and actually enhanced, like, the outdoor audio. So, like, Mm -hmm. I just had it in. I was going. I was recording the sounds of the sirens and the nature and the birds. And I'm in Brooklyn, so I'm like this would be cool to listen back to and just hear the sounds of Brooklyn as I'm going for a walk. So I just record mm, the sound. Yeah, that's nice. I go for silent right? walks and drives a lot. Yeah. That's my preferred method of walking and driving is in silence. Not silence, but no other, no added noise, you know? Right. And like, when you say a lot, does that mean like every day a lot or like once a week a lot? Pretty much every day. I mean, I'm, a lot of the times in the car, I haven't really been driving because Sarah and I are traveling, but um, most of the time in the car when I'm home, I don't really listen to, listen to anything, especially first thing in the morning. I usually start my first boot camp or workout at 6 a.m. And like on my way to the gym, I don't listen to anything. I just kind of settle into my thoughts and my mood for the day. It's a nice way to kind of do a mental check of how did I wake up today? How am I feeling? Where's my energy at? And kind of think through what's going to be happening the rest of the day and just kind of get mentally, mentally prepared. Interesting. So what you're saying is you pretty much wake up from your sleep and then you get right to the most important pieces of your world, which is you, your thoughts, your day, the people that you're going to be spending time with and whatever else you go through. Like you do that without interruption every day. Yeah, pretty much. Every day. In the morning. Yeah. And it's a very, and it's like, just it's like, a very it's just regular. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very natural, very natural act. Interesting. Because yeah. I was just listening to, um, not listening to, well, yeah, I listened and watched. But uh, an interview that Tim Ferriss did with Josh Waitzkin, and Josh Waitzkin's is Josh Waitzkin. Let me not butcher his. Josh Waitzkin is an American chess player, martial arts competitor, and author. So this dude wrote a book called The Art of Learning, which I love, and it's basically how he went on to become like one of the youngest chess, you know, champions and. Um, like his story and journey doing that, like when he was younger, mm. like from the time he was a kid all the way up through, like just all the little stories and journeys, like stuff with his dad and like be- being in like a car uh, and like not having to like think like any of the other kids, like all the stuff you're talking about, like very disciplined, like you're doing oh, yeah. this without any sort of bumpers. Like you just wake up, like you do it, like you brush your teeth. Yep. It's interesting because somebody had asked me, what do you think are like the most defining components of success or at least your success? And a lot of people think it's motivation. Um, And although motivation is a big part of it, especially internal motivation, a huge 80% of my success is discipline, really recognizing and connecting with my why and making moves to fulfill that why and to work towards that why 
even sometimes when I'm, you know, mentally, emotionally tired and not wanting to, that discipline comes in because I know long term it serves me well. And the body, the mind can be really persuasive into serving, you know, the self in the moment. And sometimes, you know, that's taking the short route. But yeah, that discipline like really pushes you to think long term and ask for your future self. Right. And was this something that was instilled in you growing up? Like what was like childhood like? Was this discipline in your family, in your world at all? Yeah, I definitely, and I don't think I realized it until, you know, now that I've gotten closer with my mom, which I've always had a great relationship with my mom, but I think as I've gotten older and become just more aware and more mature of how her actions and just her being influenced me as I become, you know, more of an adult and more grounded who I am as an adult. My mom is an extremely disciplined person, um, woke up every morning at 4.30 a.m. for as long as I could remember to be at the gym by 5.15, worked a full-time job, always came home to cook and clean and pack us lunch, and was just always doing the things that I know maybe in the moment she didn't want to do because she was tired, but did them because she knew it would benefit her and her family long-term. And yeah, I'm really thankful to have had that example and to have that instilled in me and and instilled in me like to my being. It's really something that comes very natural to me to be disciplined. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but when I know something is good for me and I know, and I see the benefits of it, like it very quickly becomes part of my routine. And I don't really have to it's almost like something overrides in my head, you know, when I, where I'm like, don't think, just do, and it'll be over before, you know, you know it, and you're going to feel really good that you did it, so. That's amazing, especially having the realization now and looking back and, and seeing that, well, being a working mom and waking up at 4.30 a.m. is normal. This is regular. Like, mom gets to work out in at 5.15, like that's what she does and it now shows that like that subconscious and conscious awareness of like the work your mom put in to help get you here like you had your coach in your house the whole time i had my coach and she wasn't even telling you that she was your coach yeah no you're right i mean and again the more that you become aware of how your experiences and your environment have shaped the person you are and have become and are still becoming the more you, at least the more I have recognized that uh, I've had a lot of coaches, uh, both in human form and not human form, that have taught me incredible lessons and, yeah, just have taught me incredible things. And it's so funny because the coaching industry, as I'm sure you know, is happen now right there's life coaches there's happiness coaches there's finance coaches there's business coaches and I think people are really quick to jump on the next thing and not take a moment to just stop and look around and be like okay well what do I already have before I go and look you know elsewhere for something I think I need what in my environment is already giving that to me and it was really when I did that that I mean that's how my business was founded. You know, the the world is your gym is to stop, let go of those expectations of what fitness should look and feel like and look around at your world and see what that world is already giving you and, and use what you've already been given, use your resources. And, you know, that's the same thing of like having coaches. I mean, the world is your coach, you know, every interaction that you, you have, you have the opportunity to learn from and it's super cliche but it's those cliches that actually, like, if you follow and live those cliches, people would be a lot happier. They roll their eyes at them a lot, but if they actually practice them, they would be a lot happier, I think. I believe that, too. I, yeah. I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn by, like, saying the cliches and, like, the common sense and the practicality and the brute honesty. And I learned by messing up by having people not want to talk to me, by, like, not wanting to hang out with me, all that stuff. And 
it's just like until you actually look at yourself and take time to silently sit and say, what's happening? How do I feel? Am I actually okay? And I am also an athlete. And from day one also had, you know, a mom that would wake up early, didn't do the gym thing, but she would always be up before the sun rose. And she would always, you know, make sure to pick me up from practice after work every day. I always had two practices in high school for track. For example, I practiced with the regular team and then I practiced with my triple jump coach every day. Mm. He was also the, the head coach. Um, excuse me, he was the sprint coach and like to train all the sprinters, but I did the sprint workouts and then I had to go do jumping workouts after. Like that's yeah. just what it was because there wasn't enough coaches to specialize in just helping me triple jump. And like now looking back at it, I'm like, wait a minute, like this is all regular discipline that I had since high school. Like the, the, the people that are trying to teach me discipline are the ones who actually were not disciplined. And if they were, it's just like they just maybe coached a different style than they needed to with me. Like I'm a difficult player to coach in any world. I will say that till the day I leave this planet. I am one of the most difficult humans to coach, manage anything you can say. And I I I would love to interview people and be like, yeah, how was it coaching me back in high school? (laughs) Was I a handful? And my instincts tell me that it's 100% yes. Hmm. Every manager I've ever had, was Travis a handful? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm not going to make an assumption here, but I'm going to guess that you've had at least one similar experience to where someone was like, yo, you're too much, Danielle. Oh, definitely. I get that all the time. (laughs) And Um, was there like a moment where you were like, yeah, but that's just me. Like, when did that happen for you? Oh, a thousand percent. We grow up, right? And we're taught the way things are supposed to be, the way we fit into society, the conveyor belt. And I'll use the conveyor belt because that's how I describe my college experience, which was a great experience, but a very conveyor belt experience. I was put, you know, when I, I went to the University of Florida, go Gators, and I was a business major. And when I became a business major, almost immediately, I was put into all the you know, fancy business classes. I was taught how to get involved, how to write a resume, how to interview properly, how to dress properly, how to get a give a firm handshake, all to lead me to getting a great internship, which then was supposed to lead me to getting a great job, which meant, you know, financial security and like all of the things. And I think when I was a junior, I started to realize like, holy shit, I've been on this conveyor belt and I Although I think where this conveyor belt leads is awesome because a lot of my friends, you know, continued along the conveyor belt and have ended up in fantastic places. It was not the conveyor belt that I wanted to be on. And it's when I stepped off the conveyor belt that I finally realized where it was going. And that's when I realized I didn't want to go where the conveyor belt was going. And I turned the other direction. I went the other way. And um, I turned down two full-time job offers to start my business. And from that moment on, uh, have been extremely challenged as uh, a loud, you know, in-your-face individual, one who curses and who wears workout clothes all the time and loves to show off her body and speak her mind and own her shit. So uh, I'm an ownership coach and... I inspire people to take ownership over their lives and their wellness journeys. And really what that means in a a very simple way of saying that is literally to own your shit, own who you are, what you represent, why you represent it. And that has been extremely, extremely challenging. I have had people tell me, you know, that's not the way you should do things. You're not going to gain, you know, you're not going to gain enough business if you continue to like niche yourself all the things, right? All the things, cover your body, stop cursing, all in effort to fit this mold that society has built that we should quote unquote fit. And I don't fit and I'm totally cool with not fitting. And, you know, it's funny. I wrote this, uh, I wrote in my journal, 
um, I was talking about, I wrote a letter to the entrepreneurial journey. I really like to personify it. It helps me process. And so I personified the entrepreneurial journey as if it was a person. And I wrote it a letter and I talked about, you know, why are you such a lonely individual? And one of the realizations that I came to in writing the journal was that the entrepreneurial journey forces you to speak your truth. At least it's forced me to speak my truth and not just speak my truth, but live my truth. And the more that I speak my truth, the more that I live my truth, the more niche and narrow my audience becomes, right? Because not everybody identifies with, you know, all of my, my truth and what I identify with. But something that I wrote in that journal entry was, you know, although my audience gets narrow and more niche, my world opens up indefinitely. The more niche my like audience becomes, the more my world opens because the more I, I live in alignment with who I truly am. And so I know this is a long, long ass answer to your question, but yes, I've had tons of people telling me that I'm difficult to coach and difficult to manage. And although I totally agree and have learned that there is a balance between owning my shit and living my truth and still being respectful of like processes and systems that are in place in our world, because I do think there is a level of like playing the game. I am like so happy and fulfilled owning my shit and being who I am every day. Fucking awesome. I'm literally talking to you on a rooftop in Boston having just traveled the country for the last month leading pop-up workout and music and movement and community events all around the country. And I did that with my partner, Sarah, because I owned my shit and didn't apologize for it. So there's that. Stop (laughs) apologizing. Stop apologizing. And you didn't say sorry for being long-winded. You said there's that. Yes. That is that. (laughs) Exactly. And it's it's funny you say all of that and think it's long-winded, but actually it's every word and second you're supposed to say. Because as you were saying that, I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, you sound just like Fran. Like, she she wrote The Myth of the Nice Girl, where she blows up the negative perception of niceness that many women struggle with in the workplace. The Myth of the Nice Girl. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Achieving a career you love without becoming a person you hate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so love the that. title is The Myth of the Nice Girl. Achieving a career you love without becoming a person you hate. Awesome. So it's mm-hmm. it's funny. Uh, Lauren just gifted that. My girlfriend just gifted that to um, one of her colleagues at work. And I'm just like, that's what it's for. Like Fran, you know, came, spoke at my company, you know, gave us all the books to read prior to her, you know, coming. I got to learn what the story of being a woman in the workplace was like firsthand from her um, mm. in these giant media companies and hearing about her story and how she didn't apologize for standing up for herself. And, you know, she wasn't being a pushover and she actually was getting the things done that she needed to do. But like, she wasn't doing it from a place of being rude or someone that yeah. people hated or being selfish or abrasive or arrogant or brash, like she came from a place of empathy and conviction and confidence that like, just because I'm a woman, I'm in this room just like you are. So don't be disrespecting yep. me just because you are upset that I'm here. Yeah. So like, and I was like, whoa, that- she yeah. was out here. <laughs> It's that word selfish that, um, the word selfish, I really, um, I've had an interesting journey and relationship with this word selfish because for as long as I can remember, and I feel weird even admitting this, you know, saying it out loud, it's still kind of uncomfortable. I have always been known by my family and friends as being selfish and not in in the sense that I feel like I have to, I feel like I have to explain myself because there's this super negative connotation about being selfish that like you don't give a shit about others and that's not the type of selfish I am like I am the type of selfish where I think of me first and I think of like what is going to benefit me and like fill me up in order for me to serve 
more and to impact more people because I so give a shit about other people or I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But I am very selfish. Like if something makes me uncomfortable or if, you know, I don't agree or I don't want to do something a certain way, again, knowing and understanding that there is a floor to compromise, but like I am, I am selfish. And I say this all the time, like with my online training clients, we have a program, we have a group of, of uh, people going through the program right now. And that's one of the topics we talk about every week. We have a different topic and the art of being selfish is one of the topics because you need to be selfish if you want to live the life that you've always imagined for yourself, right? Because if you're not selfish, you're going to get pushed around by society's expectations, by the expectations of your friends, your family, the pressures you put on yourself because of the expectations and pressures from society. And I really think like if you want to, you know, live the life you always have imagined, like you have to be selfish. You have to know that you are going to need to come first. And that's probably going to piss a couple people off. People are not everybody's going to understand. And I would love if people opened up the conversation more and like admitted, yes, I am selfish. That is something I have become more comfortable saying and not afraid to say, you know, because I'm, I'm working to change people's idea of what it means to be selfish. That doesn't mean that I don't give a shit about your feelings. That doesn't mean that I don't want your input on a situation. That doesn't mean that I don't want to collaborate. That doesn't mean I don't want to hear from your side, but just know coming into this, like I am thinking of how to fill, you know, my cup in order to best serve you and to serve the people around me. I said this again. I got to figure out how to do this. I was trying to go like, burr, 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 burr. So, like <laughs> give you props, but I was like, I got to figure out how to add the sound effects and I didn't get there yet. Um, but I'm over here. Like I'm not worried about it. We had an artificial intelligence voice assistant that's analyzing our call. So yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, you can only do one, one thing at a time. Um, no, I love that. And it, it it's funny cause it made me, think of chapter I think it was like uh seven from Fran's book. It's it was titled Invest in Yourself and Be a Team Player. And I love how she put it in one chapter because it sounds like what you were saying is that like people don't know how to invest in themselves and be team players at the same time. At least that's yeah, what you learn. One or the other. Right. Yeah. And so it's interesting yeah. because I'm like, wait a minute, like she wrote a whole chapter about investing in yourself and being a team player. And it sounds like she literally is going to break that down for people in a way that I'm like, Oh my God, like this is speaking directly to what you were just talking about. Um, and so it's just funny because I'm like, wow, like this is how things come back full circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there's this idea that I've been, uh, kind of writing my idea, like my thoughts on because I want to write, a blog post about it. And it's this idea of, of categories, right? So they teach us from a very young age that, and I'm sure like, I, I honestly believe this is how our brains work, that we put things into categories because we just have so much information coming at us consistently that in order for our brains and our bodies to adapt, we put things into categories because it helps us process, right? It organizes things. It puts them into boxes for us to be able to process information. And it's a great thing, especially because I am totally somebody that loves organization and categorization. But the double-edged sword piece of this is that people are quick to assume that you are like you, you fit in one category and then that means you can't blend into any other category. Like it's one and done. So in order, like if you want to be selfish, that means you can't be community driven or collaborative or like in my case one of the things that I really want to talk about is because I post my body and show off my body I can't show up in a professional environment and it's it's just it's crazy because you can be whatever the fuck you want to be we are we wear different hats all the time and that doesn't mean that we put on fronts that we're wearing a mask for different people we just are adaptable beings and we know in which situation what to turn on and what to turn off. And it's nowhere, like, I remember thinking, like, oh, that's inauthentic, you know, if you have to switch on and off. And it's not inauthentic. It's being adaptable. It's being 
aware of the situation that you're in and you can be all things and no things at once. And that's great, you know? So I, that's just what that reminded me of. Like there, I love that she put it in the same chapter because you can be both. You can be 15 things at the same time. There is no limit. There's no minimum. There's, there's nothing. There just is. You just be. That's it. Exactly. And it's uh, going back to the video I brought up earlier with Tim Ferriss and Josh Waitzkin. Like, he is a world-class chess champion, right? And he wrote this book 15 years ago, The Art of Learning, and now he's going on to his second and third disciplines. Second and third disciplines. And this man won, you know, the U.S. National Chess Champion. No, excuse me. He's an eight-time U.S. National Champion. An eight-time U.S. National Chess Champion a two-time world champion in Tai Chi push hands, and a first-time, the first ju- Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under nine-time world champion Marcelo Garcia. In 12 years, this man is literally focused on three things. And that just shows that focusing on three, look where it gets you, world class. And focusing on 15, I'm looking at you, and I'm like, look what it gets you, happiness. And by being all of those things, it's like, why is there a limit on how many things you're allowed to be? And I love that you're literally saying, like, yeah, I can be everything and nothing at the same time. So I just wanted to, like, highlight kudos to you for being aware that you can be everything. Like, girl, you're preaching to the choir. I'm a Gemini. People already think I'm eight people just by being a Gemini. (laughs) Yeah, all of us need to look internally about what are our worldviews, what are our limiting beliefs, what are the expectations we put on the world, really, right? How do we judge other people for, you know, being one thing and then the next day being the other thing? And this is something that my partner and I talk about a lot traveling around the country. This year has been very tough for me emotionally. I said that this was going to be the year of the ego where I like really faced my ego. I listened and let the thoughts and limiting beliefs like that were in my head, like rise. And I questioned them like all the things. So it's been very emotional. I haven't been my like typical, super positive, bubbly in your face person because I've been working through a lot of my own shit. And I've had a lot of people like be super thrown off about the fact that like, I'm, I'm, you know, going, not even going through things, I'm growing emotionally. And um, I've had people be like, wow, like, I always thought you were so super positive. And again, it's just another example of these limiting Mm -hmm. ideas of what people can be and should look like. And just because I'm super positive doesn't mean that that is how I am every second of every day. Um, There are multifacets to my personality and to my being and I love that and everybody is like that we just don't talk about that enough I agree and I I feel like kudos to you for even sharing that because one question I actually had off of that is is when you're going through these you know like moments with people where you have these brash like ah like they're not like I thought you were positive all the time and you're saying to yourself, well, I am just right now. There's a lot of stuff that's packaged up in a place that's yep. causing me to react this way. Just like if I'm playing football, right? Going to football world and I'm playing safety and it's a scenario where I know I'm not going to be covered. I'll probably blitz off the edge if I have an idea where the ball's going, if it's a two back set. And especially if it's third and three to the strong side, like, I know where I'm going. So, like, if my hamstring hurts and I know where the ball is going, my body physically will not let me get there as fast as my mind wants to get there. Yet, like, people like Trav, every single time you make that play, I'm like, bro, I just strained my hamstring last week. Like, did you forget? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like saying, bro, to my coach, 
Now I'm like, bro, I'm saying like, bro, what you mean? My hand is pulled, bro. Like, come on. You ain't making that play 10 times out of 10. And just because I missed it once because my hamstrings pulled, you're like, what's wrong with you? That's the feedback I'm used to getting. So when someone that's not used to being, you know, the person that's supposed to be making the tackles in the last line of defense, when they try to teach me how to do that, I, I, I have a hard time trying not to make them look like a fool. Like, that's been my hardest thing my whole life. And then what I've recently realized is like, oh, wait, you've got to be able to chill and be humble and realize that they are just someone who doesn't understand what you understand. It doesn't make them worse. Yeah. It doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them stupid. It doesn't make them an idiot. It just means that they don't have the information in their world that you have. That is it. And that's why I became in love with sharing information and the world of community because community to me is nothing more than a giant thought cloud and big group of friends that are sharing information that matters to them with the people that matter to them. And we'll throw experiences on that. So experiences, information, and people. Like every conversation I've had in the last couple of weeks, the word that's used the most is people. And it's just like thinking about all this stuff, all the, the, the combinations of like what makes up like my happiness. And it's like, well, being this person is not easy because if 99% of people were like this, we'd be living in utopia. Yeah. Like the world that everyone wishes we had, like this is the world. The issue that I'm trying to figure out and to like what we're both experiencing and many of the people I talk to experience is that when you are real with people, like they don't know how to react. And so like with me, I ask for realness because I'm trying to get better. So if my coach is like, yo, like literally I had a moment so I'm playing strong safety and my coach is like, Trav, you're going to blitz and you need to cover the back on the option. Like the back is you. So I, I'm like nervous thinking like, okay, like, all right, I got this. So then I come up, the back does like a little bit of a hesitate step and I just get thrown off. I'm like, damn, dude, never has ease. Like he never does that. So like what? And so I think like he never has ease. And then the second I think that he pitches in the ball, my coach Slams his hat. Travis, what the hell? Get, get the hell over here. Like, screaming at me. And I'm like, what? He's like, if that's how you think you're going to do this, get off the field. He's like, I don't want to ever see you do that shit again. And I'm like, geez, coach. My man has these, and he never has these. Why are you screaming at me like that? <laughs> But then I realized that, like, 99% of people don't want that feedback, and I ask for that feedback because yeah. I know that's going to make me better. And I'm, like, I'm going to guess that you're the same way. So, like, long-winded question, like, how do you think we can better – we can help people better understand that the levels at which you're operating are different than mine? Not in a good or bad way. Because sometimes I feel like the elitist, like, I played football and I, I, I. And I'm literally only saying that to try to help people better understand, like, what I come from. Like, if people don't know your mom woke up at 4.15 every morning, went to the gym, they think you're crazy by talking about that stuff. So your question was, like, how do we encourage people to want feedback? I, I, what was the question? Yeah, sorry. So... How do we help people better understand that they should be open to the rawest of raw feedback? And I mean, like Denzel Washington training day raw. Like, because what I'm what I'm finding is that you, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I um, it's that's a hard question to answer, right? Because you can only lead a horse to water; you can't force it to drink. You can't like 
there's a, I think, different levels of awareness that people experience. And one of the things that I say a lot to myself when I'm like really feeling the feels or to anybody around me that's really feeling the feels and like really doing the hard soul work is how lucky are we to feel this deeply because not everybody has the capacity Mm. to feel the way we feel to be aware of the different levels of spirituality and consciousness to actually understand like holy shit, I'm floating through life on a pretty fucking surface level. Let me tap in a couple (laughs) levels deeper. Like a lot of people don't even realize that they just float on the surface of life and they're, 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 um, oblivious to it and they're happy and they're okay. And that's fine. And then there's those of us that are, have tapped in and want to challenge and want to be more aware. And so my suggestion is to find a community of people that is woke you know, I don't love to use that word, but like that's aware and mm-hmm. like challenging themselves and the people around them. And if you ask me, how do I find that? I think you need to open your eyes, you know, and go to some places that maybe you aren't going to right now. Because if you haven't found that community, then maybe you're not, you know, looking in the right spaces. But there are people out there that exist that you know, that, that can live in your world and you live in theirs and that you constantly challenge each other to expand your worldviews and expand your perspectives. And I think um, not being afraid to go deep with people when you first meet them is another suggestion. Like, I will not have surface-level conversations <laughs> with people. If, if that is, like, the vibe that I'm getting from the person, then I will, like, excuse myself and be like, listen, um, this is great, but I'd, I, like, I need to go or whatever it is, but like I, life is too precious for me to waste my time and your time and our energies on, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? Oh, how's the food? Like very basic. No. What makes you tick? What are the things that you're trying to work on within yourself? That's the shit that I want to know because that's how, that's the reality I'm living in is like I'm working on myself and I want to be around people who are doing the same thing. So not, again, it comes back to that ownership. Own the place you're in. If you are an emotional person, if you are in a place of wanting to challenge, own that. Talk about that. And the more you talk about it, the more the universe is going to hear you and are going to put people in front of you that you're meant to meet and meant to talk to. And I really believe in that. Right. And I know that's my mentality as well. And that's the part that over the last year and my whole life, you don't look at it like that because you're like, yo, I'm literally just being me everywhere. And what you'll start to realize is like, yeah, this is just me. Like everybody that's ever worked with me inside of a company will literally know if there's a mic, I'm going to ask a question. It's just a given. Every single company, everybody. Like when I say everybody, I mean from the CEO to the, sales everybody's like well if there are no questions travis must have a question <laughs> literally like co- like when i say like company like even closed circle like eight person meetings nobody has a question come on travis something <laughs> literally like people literally look to me for questions and i realized that i should now embrace that through a podcast and here we are and yep like challenging and leveling up and that stuff, the best language that I use on the regular, like level up, level up. I just leveled up today in, you know, waking up and being directly on a call. Like that's the first time in a while that I literally woke up when my alarm happened and I literally called immediately. It was alarm, phone call. Boom. We got right into it. And it was one of those, like the same way you get into that mental space of, going to work and just having, you know, that mindset of whatever work is like, not this place, like your work is your life. Like that's where the difference is, is like your work is your life and other people, their work is a part of their life. Yeah. And that's like the main difference that I'm finding is that when your life's work is so impactful to you and it actually makes you happy and you're okay with yourself and even the ones that love you most don't understand that that's where i found 
the biggest challenge to break through for me because can you imagine trying to tell my Dukes that what she loves is everything she doesn't like? Mm-hmm. Or telling your dad that, you know, everything that he thought about your little girl wasn't actually what I am living right now, whatever that is, like, doesn't mean good or bad, like, just different from what they thought you were supposed to do. And it's and really opening my mind. See, that's your response immediately. That's on them. But like, how did you, when did you, like, how old were you when you realized that, like, people's opinions and thoughts and two cents was on them? I think it just became practice, you know, the more I saw Mm. and got caught up with other people's opinions of me and expectations of me, the more I built unrealistic expectations for myself. And when you build expectations, you're not living in the moment, right? You're living in your idea of the moment. And I do that a lot. I live in my idea of the moment instead of what the moment actually is. And I think, oh, it's should be this way instead of appreciating exactly how the universe presented it to me. And when I noticed that I had a lot of these unrealistic expectations and started to explore where they came from, I realized that a lot of them came from my environment and the people around me and the things I was watching and I was listening to and things I was reading. And another huge piece it came from was recognizing that I have the ultimate power. I am the most powerful fucking person in the entire universe. I am a sorcerer. And so are you because you have the power to not become your thoughts and not become your emotions. It's not about stopping them. It's not necessarily about changing them right away. It's about becoming aware of them. And so now when people give me their feedback, again, it's not a fuck you. I'm not going to listen to you, but I set like a, a layer in between other people's thoughts and feelings and my own. And so their thoughts and feelings have to pass through this layer, this invisible layer I've built, like almost like a bubble around me. And through that layer, I think through, okay, ego aside, like how does this feedback make me feel? How do I want to feel? How much truth do I find in this opinion? And at the end of the day, is this filling my cup or taking away from my cup? And it just became a practice. And it became this, like I said, this this realization that my reality is my responsibility. My world is my responsibility. My power is nobody else's power. Nobody, nobody in this world. I don't care if you're Trump. I don't care if you're, you have fucking a bazillion, zillion dollars. You cannot control my reality. You have no power over my thoughts if I decide to take ownership over that power. And that's the key that I realized is I had to make the decision that I'm going to take ownership over the fact that I have the power to choose my thoughts and choose my reality and be and, and create my reality. And the moment I did that, the moment I realized that other people could do the same. So if other people could do the same, then that means that their opinions are their problems, not mine. <laughs> Got here validating with fire, girl. Like, woo, fire. And and again, that like anybody is... who listens to this, like this is a this is a practice every day. It's not like I wake up every day and I'm like, fuck you, world. I am. <laughs> I got this, and like your opinion doesn't matter to me, right? Like it. The other day, um, our you don't wake up dancing to that shit. <laughs> not you know not every day it's like when people ask me to wake up every day motivated i'm like no i wake up every day disciplined the motivation is there it comes and it goes but like my discipline is like what's consistent that's my loyal bitch you know not the motivation but um, <laughs> like, like right. the other day when we were in new york so we had our event at the a6 store in new york and it was a great event i had so much fun my partner and i had so much fun and it really seemed like everybody who came had so much fun and one of our friends who was there gave us the feedback that she didn't think it was it could have been more professional was her feedback professional (laughs) we were inside the asic store we were sponsored by like all these incredible brands but but again i started to get really caught up in my head about like oh my god like 
and we must not be professional and like are people not seeing us as professional all these things right and I forgot that like I have a decision of whether I agree with her feedback or not and I don't agree with her feedback and that's okay and so you know I think for those of you listening like just taking a moment to stop and process like okay that maybe stung me a little bit cool I'm I'm recognizing that but why did it me. Let's explore this a little bit more. What is it about that comment that made me feel this type of way? And kind of work backwards and see where it comes from. And that's just what I've been doing, is working backwards. Reverse engineering. That's exactly how I think too. Exactly. Reverse engineering does not just apply to a product. It applies to your emotions. Right. And it's like, you know the things, and I definitely love that, because I'm thinking now, for my own days, like, well, sometimes when I get home and walk in the door, it's like, go right back into whatever thing I was doing on the train and then back into it on the laptop when I get home. Or it's like, nope, we're going to cook dinner. Or nope, you're going to go for a run. And so for me, motivation is just literally like a spark. It's not this like, thing that's hanging over my head like you know they say like motivation mondays and this and that and i'm like yo if you need motivation mondays in my world like if i had to be motivated as a triple jumper to go learn how to jump farther and watch you know i had vhs tapes my coach gave me on triple jump that's how you learned when i was jumping so it wasn't youtube to have all the training the youtube videos were of people in the olympics jumping so they're already like jumping 57, 58 feet, and I'm over here jumping like 40 not, forty feet, 41 feet. They're jumping 15 feet further, but I'm trying to look at what they were doing in high school to learn how to get better. And so if you have to motivate me to want to watch that video, then I might not be the right fit to actually get to that next level. But for someone that just wants to learn it and that just is just curious, like that might be all they want to do. So their motivation is different than mine for trying to get to that level. And like, yep. that's one thing I've realized being a, a sport, you know, kid, it's that you performed at a different level. People came in first place, every single meet and people came in last place, every single meet, like every time, every time I put on my spikes, every time I laced up my cleats, there was a start in an end time. So, like, there was always a winner and a loser. So, if you had to motivate me to not be a loser, then I shouldn't be playing. If that was my mentality. So, like, my motivation came from getting better, getting smarter, getting faster, getting stronger, like, becoming a better man, taking the principles of discipline from football and applying them to life, applying them to business, applying them to relationships, all of it. Like, I've taken football and now created a new world for myself that I use the little trip, or excuse me, the tips and trainings and cues to keep moving. So, like, motivation, I totally feel you on, like, your motivation is different. And that's, like, that's a huge piece that I definitely would love to dive deeper into at a later point because... What I'm trying to figure out is a way to help bridge the gap between communities and not just, you know, with the, with the person who's leading and bringing people together and the people in there. What I mean by that is like the people that are in and members of a community, I'm trying to figure out ways that community leaders can help them. Like, yes, they get together and talk about the thing they like, right? Like people come to your fitness classes and that's why they're there, literally, to work out and connect with the people that are there. And now I'm like, I wonder if there's a way for us to start sprinkling another layer of simple habits. So like, for example, like one of the ways that you de-stress is going for the car rides. And I'm like, is there a way for us to send like a text to every, you know, member of your community to say, hey, like, just wanted you guys to remember that, like, going for car rides is the way that I relax. I know I flipped at you last week, Julie. My bad girl. My quad was killing me. And, like, you poked me, and it just was not the right time. 
However, uh, the way that I, you know, think about this stuff is during these car rides. And I just want to share that with you guys because this is the way that I, you know, de-stress. And I don't get to share that with you when I'm actually kicking your ass in class. So, you know, hope this helps. Literally 30 seconds. Um, boom. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you're already doing that through your, your Instagram and through your stories. And I'm like, geez, like, how can we help share these little nuggets? Because that is the thing that I'm realizing, like the people and the leaders that are in their communities, like their DNA is in their communities. So the people that connect with them, they connect with something or some part of their story and that brings them in. And now once they're in, there are different ways to engage them, motivate them, get them to take on, you know, more responsibility. And I'm just like, man, like, I try to tell my friends that, like, I'm wanting to bring more people together and I'm doing all this stuff. But, like, uh, they don't want to listen. And so I'm like, how can we help them better understand, like, how much? Because, like, your friends that don't know how happy you are, like, they're going to find out in, like, a couple of months when something else happens. Like, the next event with the next ASICs and the next great thing. They're going to be like, oh, my God, like, Danielle, you got Nike? To, to do an event with you? You're like, yeah, they're another sponsor. What's up? And it's just normal. And so, like, I just want to figure out how to level this conversation and, like, bring it to them in a way that they can digest. What, what I'm asking is how can we bridge the gap between how people, you know, come into our communities and then when they go back to their normal world when they're outside of it, how can we help bridge the gap a little more? Because, like, you, you do it through Instagram. So, like, how can other people like package up like their, you know, quick little tips and share them with their audiences. Like, because Instagram, I mean, like you have to be, you know, what I'm, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there is, that's another hard question because I think it depends on who the person is. You know, Instagram for me is something that I enjoy and that I have fun doing. And that's not the case for a lot of people. And there is no one way to share those bits of information. Some ideas that, that came to mind as you were asking the question was a talking about it right talking about ways that you you know relax and hold yourself accountable and are more aware because everyone has their own tips and tricks and the easiest way to spread the love and spread the knowledge is to just talk about it bring it up in conversations you can start around people you can have dinner with your friends and start the conversation you can post on a blog, you can post on your website, you can post on Facebook. I mean, there are tons of ways to do it that you can go to events that support, you know, things like that that are already happening in your community. Or you can keep a journal for yourself, something that you can personally look back on. There's tons of ways to do it. And I think the biggest thing is like making the decision that you want to do it. That is the first step. If there's anything that across however platform you decide to do it, Instagram, just talking about it verbally, whatever it is, the first step is saying, I'm going to do this. I made the decision. I'm taking ownership. It's happening. And then you have to figure the second, third, fourth, and fifth steps out. But yeah, that's, that's the first step. It's like, okay, I want to talk about this more. I want to share this knowledge more. And I'm going to figure out a way that serves me best and serves my community best to share that information. But I first and foremost have made the decision that I am going to do it. Nice. I love that. Yeah. And it's such a simple checklist of things. Because for me, I'm like thinking, well, how can I make this an Alexa skill? Like, how can I help my friends that, like, are so busy that literally the only time they have to talk to me in this day is the 15 minutes when they're finishing their coffee before they head out the door. Like, that's literally reality for some of my friends. And I, like, laugh and I joke and I was like, yeah, hey, you want me to make you an Alexa skill? And they looked at me like I had eight heads. And I'm like, no, I'm serious, though. <laughs> like, w I try to call you every day for the last two weeks, and I still haven't got you. And we live in the same city. Like, what? Like, that is a problem to me. Like, that yeah, people are I so big. And in New York, right? Like, oh. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, an Alexa skill is just another platform to get the message across. I mean, there's so many. There's so many ways, but people, I mean, it goes back to what I said, you have to make the choice. You People have to make the conscious choice to change their lives, 
to want to talk about these things, to want to share these things, because without the choice, there's nothing, you know, it's, it's, an, it's ideation, right? It's like, what's the difference between an idea and a business? It's the choice to put that idea into action. And people need to make the choice and to stand by that choice and stand by the commitments that they make to themselves because it's, it's, yeah, I'll stop there. No, yeah, I, I totally hear you. Uh, now you said you're on the roof in Boston looking at, you know, just enjoying life. How are you? Like, so I just kind of want to do a pulse check, understand how you feel, what you, you know, thought about the last hour and just kind of go from there. I mean, I feel great. I'm definitely a little tired and lower energy today just because this is our last week on the road. We have our last event on Saturday. And so I think I'm, I'm definitely burned out. I don't think I am. I'm definitely burned out. I'm, I'm homesick. I miss, you know, like, yeah. And being here in Boston, which is Sarah's community, which is an incredible city, um, just makes me more homesick because I see like how happy she is, like being back with her friends and just in her environment. And I know very much what that feels like to be like, oh shit, like I'm, I'm in my flow. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, my mind is, is kind of on like, when am I, when am I going to get to go back home? But no, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate what you're doing and, you know, Things like this, you creating this podcast, giving people a platform to talk about how they, you know, are enhancing their lives and how they're living the way that they want to live and that they deserve to live, I think is great. So I really appreciate you having me, especially because I know we just met like three days ago. So thank you for kind of taking the leap of faith. It's been fun. Of course. No, and and thanks so much for, you know, the kind words and for all that, it does mean a lot because, like, going through this last year, it's like I'm just listening to my friends and I'm telling them that I think, like, on my own. But, like, literally the motivation didn't come until other people pushed me into podcasting. And now I'm like, guys, I want to start a podcast. Like, I remember being in a place where I was sending them like intro songs that I thought sounded good and I found one and they're like, Oh my God, it sounds so cool. And then like now, like nine months, almost a year later, I have my own song. Like, I I don't know. I felt some type of way to text my mom, like my intro music in our like family group chat. Like, Hey guys, look at my music. Like that is what got me. That's like why, like just the fact if I could like just send, you know, anything to my parents my mom goes love love it perfect for you my dad says it's the perfect sound and my brother didn't answer but he said my podcast <laughs> so my brother didn't answer in the group chat right so like that's my parents so my brother is kind of like the rogue the rogue quiet one and so when he like just listened to it like again i've been out for since january and i've had it since like last july and so he just listened to it on June 17th of this year and was like, just listen to all the podcasts. Bro, they are dope as fuck. You need to do more. Like, do one every day. First thing, mm-hmm. though, is for some kind of critic, is stop it from sounding like an interview. Talk to the person like you don't know who they are so viewers or listeners can see or hear from a canon point of view. And, like, that was his initial feedback. And I'm like, literally, bro, I don't think you get it. One of my third guests, I literally emailed him and he lives in South Africa. Like what? I'm not talking to my friends. I'm just making friends. I met you three days ago. And so like, I'm laughing because he, that was the feedback he gave me, but it was real. He was like, yo, like stop talking to like your friends. I'm like, bro, they're not my friends until we actually talk. And it seems like we're friends because we just relate so easily that the conversation flows. Where I'm at in Boston right now, this place called Hall, there's a quote that was on the wall, and I'm going to go find it because I think it applies to exactly what you just said. Okay, so the quote, there's not a word for old friends who haven't met yet. The way I took the quote when I read it was, it's like when you just have like a vibe with somebody, you know, that you first, that you are meeting for the first time because you share similar like depth and hunger to learn and to grow 
there it's really hard to explain that that like that flow almost so that's kind of what I got and I thought that you would enjoy that but yeah anyway like I really like I said appreciate your time please let me know how I can support the podcast and share it obviously like when you release the episode I don't know if you do it right away but let me know how I can support and share thanks for listening to the community builder podcast If you received an ounce of value from this podcast, share it with your friends. Oh yeah, don't forget to leave me a five-star review. I need those. Remember, each perfectly laid brick moves you one step closer to building your community.